Hello and welcome. This is Corkscrew Combos, another theme park podcast. My name is DJ. And my name is Chris. And we're here to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, golden anniversaries, barbecue, the theater, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, that disclaimer. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. Good evening, DJ. Hey, good evening, Chris. Thank you for that disclaimer. Very important that we always include that disclaimer. And like you said last episode, it's just getting better and better. DJ, I feel like we're on a hot streak with our latest run of episodes. Uh, See if you agree with me here. We had our Six Flags America Plan-A-Park, where we spent two hours planning the future of Six Flags America if we had our say. And then we had another great episode and another one. And then our last episode, I gotta say, it's probably the most fun that we've had putting together a show. At least it was for me, BJ. Yeah, I was actually just telling some friends about that podcast, and I had said the same thing. Like, I really had a lot of fun. Uh, we had Coaster Bro from Coaster Cuzzies on the podcast. Yes, that's Cuzzy, C-U-Z-Z-I-E-S. We're still not sure what a Cuzzy really is. I mean, it seemed from Coaster Bro that I'm a Cuzzy, you're a Cuzzy, we're all Cuzzies. But really, anyone interested in the industry, it's not a Koozie. They're not cousins. Uh, it's very specific. We can't really identify what it is, but we know kind of what a cuzzy is all about. So I guess with that being said, Chris, you and I are cuzzies. Yeah, we are. I think we all are when it comes down to it. I think we're circling the real definition. I think we're getting very close to it. Uh, another few episodes and we will probably have it. I totally agree with you. Another few episodes and hopefully we'll have Coaster Cuzzies back on, uh, Coaster Bro. Uh, that would be a great episode. We did. A, we had a great time. We were doing a draft with a defunct coasters trying to figure out what would be the best draft. We did a football style. It was really a lot of fun. There was a, a little bit of conflict there, but some healthy competition nonetheless, just like the real uh, draft that you'd have on your fantasy football team. Uh, and that being said, be sure to check out their uh, defunct list that they were doing. They, they had this fun competition on Instagram. It might still be going on. They're over at Coaster Cuzzies on Instagram. Yes, they have their knockout challenge on Instagram where they have a an image with a whole lot of different logos for defunct coasters that their listeners put together. And the way it works is every time they post that image for every round, you comment on that post the coaster that you want knocked out. And at the end, the last coaster standing is the winner. (laughs) It's a whole lot of fun. Sometimes they go off the wall a little bit with what they try to knock out, but... Um, I, I would encourage you, if you're interested in playing along with that, go ahead to the Coaster Cuzzies Instagram. They are Coaster Cuzzies. They're the only ones with that name. It is pretty rare uh, to partake in that knockout challenge. Just uh, go ahead and head over to their Instagram. But DJ, it is our 22nd episode. We're really getting... We're really getting long in the tooth, I think, DJ. This is already our 22nd episode. We've done this more than a dozen times, almost two dozen, we're really getting into the groove of things, I think. I think we are too, and I don't know about you, dear listener, but I'm feeling 22. (laughs) And with that, 
Let us now jump into the roller coaster that opened in 1922. This is a fun segment that we introduced a few episodes back. Basically, we're taking the episode that we're on, 22 in this instance, matching it to the 1900s to figure out what roller coaster opened in the corresponding year that we need to talk about. And, you know, we try and make this as influential as we can, uh, either extremely interesting or maybe even something that shaped future roller coasters. And I think the latter is true with this choice. In 1922, a very specific ride that... Uh, was only with us for 60 short years on, in the world, but it's a very interesting ride, and I think you can see how other rides were formed from that. Chris, what do you got for us? This was the Virginia Reel uh, at the park named Blackpool Pleasure Beach of Blackpool in the United Kingdom. It opened, of course, in 1922 and then closed 60 years later in 1982. DJ, have you ever heard of the Virginia Reel? I have heard of the Virginia Reel. The only reason I have heard of the Virginia Reel is from a series of games called Roller Coaster Tycoon. And yeah. then, of course, from there, I've seen all sorts of things um, regarding um, the coaster and, and kind of popular culture and different images. Um, but that being said, very iconic ride. It's sort of like tubs, I would describe, right? These tubs that kind of go around the track. It's kind of like a side friction coaster where the tubs aren't connected to the rails. Am I right on that? Yes, it's it's hard to really get a good handle on what the specifics were uh, related to the mechanics of the coaster because, unfortunately, the Virginia Reel ride type, that coaster type, is extinct. It's gone. And it doesn't look like it's coming back anytime soon, unfortunately. But you said it, it was in the, they were in sort of tubs. It essentially was a wooden spinning roller coaster with the cars that would dip and bob along a compact layout, all the while spinning wildly. It was something to ride, at least from what I've heard about it. I mean, it's like it's like Flying Turns, which is a wooden bobsled-style roller coaster that was brought back from extinction by Knobles, a very pleasant little park in the middle of Pennsylvania. Uh... It's something that, I guess, it does have a spiritual successor in the spinning coasters of today, DJ. And I guess we might even be able to count the extreme spinning coasters that premiered in 2018 with Time Traveler at Silver Dollar City. I guess they're the latest iteration of spinning coaster, but really it all started with the Virginia Reel. And this was a very notable installation of that coaster type. And tell me if I'm getting too far off here, Chris, but I think a great way to maybe mimic this same type of ride today, like you're saying, there's ways to see the evolution of what it is now, but maybe something that was comparable that you could still do are those large water slides where you're together in a large ring, everyone's facing each other. They're not too fast. There's some decent spinning action. Of course, you're going up on the side of the wall, so it's a little bit different, but I feel like the speed would have been comparable to that. Now, I have seen old black and white footage of these Virginia reels. And it's really interesting too, to see when people pack into these these tubs and they really get to spinning. I don't know if there's many spinning coasters out there speaking on modern day rides that spin as much as those old Virginia reels did. I don't know, DJ, I've gotten some pretty wild spins on some spinning coasters in my day. Well, knowing you, Chris, you're the type of person that goes for the gold when it comes to spins or flips. If there's an option, for you to control it, uh, Chris is all the way to the wall. He is 110%. <laughs> as many spins as he can get, as many flips as he can get, 
I have to just sit back and try not to hurl on spinning rides. I do my very best. And flipping rides. Mm. Well, it's uh, it's definitely something that has stayed around. That idea of a spinning roller coaster. I guess, really, this was a 4D, fourth dimension roller coaster before that term was even coined. Because you think about all of the axes of motion that a typical roller coaster experiences. Uh, we got our first proper 4D coaster in X, now X2 at Six Flags Magic Mountain, and that was where there was an additional axis of motion along the ride layout. But if you think about it, the spinning coasters did that a lot earlier, and it's interesting that we differentiate it between spinning coaster, if you're spinning maybe side to side, I don't remember the exact axis that I'm speaking on, or the... 4D coasters in which you go head over heels or heels over head. It's interesting how the industry chose to uh, differentiate these different ride types. I wonder, too, if anytime I think of the 1920s, I think of the person on the corner like, yes, 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 come here, I've got a perfect antidote for blah, blah, blah. And I wonder if this was another way to sell the coaster design to the park or wherever it's going. Say, hey, Joe Bob over here, okay, great. There's goes a little bit higher person over here. Oh, there's is a bit longer. Well, ours spins. How about that? Yeah, ours spins. Come on, come on. Ride the famous world Ride the world famous Virginia reel. <laughs> See, exactly. It sells itself. Oh, wrong time, DJ. I was born in the wrong time. <laughs> we I are should've... all destined to be barkers. I should have been a carnival barker. That would have been, <laughs> I don't know, I think that would have been fun. It would have been. I, I would have run out of content very quickly. <laughs> you know, of, of whatever I've done and in, in thinking about different positions I've had at different places, I have never worked in games or mm. merchandise or something like that where mm -hmm. you are in a position sometimes to bring people in, get them to yes. compete against each other, and then hand out a prize at the end. Yeah, really, the, the guess my weight, guess my age, that's kind of the modern equivalent oh. of the carnival barker. I just meant like the, the water gun thing where you, you shoot the water at the target and the thing goes up. <laughs> that's a, a, that, that other thing that you mentioned, that takes skill to really guess people's age or weight. I got to think, though, if you are a guest participating in it, you have to do the guess my birth month because I feel if you get... If you're thinking about the odds, you have the greatest odds of winning if you have them guess your birth month. Because if you guess age, or I'm even going to say weight too, the guesser has cues. They have things that they can pick up on. They have things that they train on. If you have them guess your birth age, that's probably uh, more random, or random considering uh, the cues that the guesser has when it comes to... Uh, age and weight. I mean, right. Being able to pick out the month, that would be much more difficult. I don't even know what your cues would be. Maybe they're going off of common horoscopes or something. I don't know. Well, that being said, at least when you maybe get to a lot of people visit theme parks or amusement parks around somebody's birthday in the group that they visit with. That's why at a Disney park, they have so many name buttons that say, it's my birthday or something like that because people go to mark their birthday. So if I were guessing 
birth months for people, I think I would do a lot of the current month. Now, they could have a whole process that I'm just unaware of in how they figure out what month of the year to guess for someone's birthday, but I think most of the time I would either guess the current month or just a random month. Bold strategy, Cotton. Bold strategy. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of guessing, I guess we're pretty close to 250 followers on Instagram. And DJ, why is that 250 follower mark important? Well, I'm glad you asked, Chris. Um, I'm not going to guess why it's important because I know why it's important. It's important because this is your chance, dear listener, to jump in a contest to win your own coaster. Not only one coaster, four coasters. Wow. Drink coasters, oh, that is. Okay. These are great coasters, international drink coasters. I've got four of them here. We're ready to give them away. We have less than 20 followers to go at the time of this podcast recording. Uh, what we're looking for is that 250th follower. Once that person follows us on Instagram, at Corkscrew Convos on Instagram, they will be entered into a drawing along with anybody else who finds the next Instagram post, likes it, comments it. Once you do that on that new post, that celebration post, you will be entered into that drawing to win these coasters. So remember, you don't have to be the 250th follower, but once that follower follows us, we will then post a celebration post for you to like and comment on to be entered into the drawing. It's shipping only to the contiguous United States. We're ready to give it away, though. These are very special coasters, Chris. Yeah, you said it. We're giving away four coasters. I have never heard of a podcast doing anything remotely close to that before. Uh, we can't well, even put a value on it. But you get what I'm saying. There's no value. I don't even know what value to assign to it. Yeah, you couldn't get this on Amazon. You couldn't get this on Walmart.com. None of that. You just have to be there. I mean, there's the Twitter trend that I don't quite understand right now where people post a certain collection of pictures and they say you had to be there i don't know yet what that means but i'm enjoying it because a lot of the pictures are funny sounds like if you know you know yep that's another thing <laughs> i mean it's you like know, you in know. that office episode where uh pam when when everybody's laughing and and michael says why are you laughing and pam says oh you had to be there and then michael laughs even harder and he said oh <laughs> a geography joke so it, it's sort of like that. But DJ, that is our 250 follower giveaway on Instagram. Now it's time to get into the meat of the episode. Corkscrew Convos cleared for dispatch. Let's dive in. We're talking about our normal segment here, our goings-ons segment. So this is where we're telling you things that we're thinking about. It could be current events, uh, different developments, funny jokes even, a variety of things. Juicy rumors, as we talked about two episodes ago that we will jump into here in a minute. Rumors that did come true. Um, even trip reports. Uh, but first, we're jumping to Legoland, Florida. Uh, we have an official announcement for all you Peppa Pig fans out there. All the Peppa Pig fans assemble. There's a Peppa Pig theme park, quote, theme park, coming to Legoland Florida Resort in 2022. Now, theme park. Do we know the size of this thing? Uh, well, it's sort of... 
this is a follow-up on something that we talked about uh, several weeks ago where there is land clearing going on, sort of carving out some of the existing parking lot for Legoland Florida. Uh, a lot of us thought that it might be a new section. Maybe it's a section that we got at Legoland Windsor that's now coming to Legoland Florida. Well, Amusement Today has reported this is going to be a separate ticket at the Legoland Resort, and it's gonna it's it's gonna be Peppa Pig, which is apparently an incredibly popular children's TV show property out there right now. Um, I know I've encountered some memes or whatever from Peppa Pig on the internet. Haven't <laughs> seen it, but then again, I'm not really the target audience for it. Uh, but they are having this Peppa Pig theme park coming to Legoland, Florida. Um, it will be the first quote-unquote theme park dedicated to Peppa Pig, uh, but it will be tied to the Legoland Resort, and it's uh, it's going to join a number of other theme park sections at other Merlin parks and um, other parks around the world, um, and a few indoor attractions around the world as well, including at least one uh, that is in the United States as well. Uh, but when it comes to these specific attractions, that is maybe rides or experiences, those are going to be announced sometime this summer. Uh, until then, we're just going to have to wait and speculate. Uh, but DJ, do you remember, I think it was the spring of 2018, when there was a survey put out there uh, to pass holders for Bush Gardens Williamsburg that they were asking what people thought of a new Sesame Place park attached to Bush Gardens Williamsburg, where it will be a separate ticket but it would be carving off uh, the existing Sesame Street Forest of Fun uh, pretty close to the entrance of Bush Gardens and then taking some of their France parking lot, which is a lot of preferred parking right now, and creating a Sesame Place park and really elevating Bush Gardens Williamsburg to a resort. I hadn't heard of that before. Um, that's an interesting idea. I Maybe it's because I just naturally gravitate towards negativity as a person, but I'm wondering, okay, if I have a family, let's say I have a family of five, uh, it's me and my partner, we have three kids, and one of them would be the perfect, let's say, demographic for Sesame Place, or in this case, Peppa Pig Park. So then those two people either me going with that child or my partner going with that child, we now have to buy two separate tickets for that experience while me or my partner, whoever's in charge of the other two kids, now have to go and get a different ticket for the theme park of Busch Gardens Williamsburg, or in this case, Legoland. Is that right? Or is there any family swap? Because I hate to say this, but the way that that's... I guess, described, it almost seems like a money grab, and I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily, but I would almost pay more for a ticket to get in, but maybe that separate ticket is what's allowing them at the same time to build more of a large, like the article says, quote, theme park, uh, rather than, you know, it's, it's kind of like the water park theme park, like they're so different, but I wonder if these two things are different enough to charge different prices. Or maybe, and hear me out on this, maybe the idea is that the second park this small, for smaller kids 
is a lower ticket price if you wanted to just do that. I could see that happening. I want to just go there. I don't want anything else, so I'm going to pay 40, 50% less than the normal ticket price. But we understand if we do decide to go in the big park, we're going to pay full price. But then again, you've got that issue of parents separated and how's that going to work out? Well, surely at Legoland, at that resort, they're going to have a big ticket that includes the water park, the main Legoland park, and Peppa Pig land or park, whatever they're going to call it as well. Surely that ticket will exist, um, but then they're going to segment it out. And listen to this. It didn't happen at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Um, it, of course, <laughs> we haven't reported on anything else. We haven't discussed anything else about a Sesame Place park coming to Busch Gardens since 2018 because that's not going to happen, at least not anytime soon. Uh, the original reason that they did float this idea in a survey to get some interest for it uh, was because of the deal that the SeaWorld parks have with Sesame Workshop, where they had to, um, under contract, open a new Sesame Place park. I think it was by 2021 originally. Of course, that has been adjusted as well, but they did eventually um, make the plan happen that the Atlantica Park, which was the water park um, attached to SeaWorld San Diego, was going to become Sesame Place. And if you think about the original Sesame Place in Pennsylvania, that park has a major section, like a major amount of the attractions there are water park attractions. So it makes sense that they are borrowing from that playbook for the Atlantic uh, Aquatica to Sesame Place conversion in San Diego. Uh, but thinking about Peppa Pig being one part of a larger experience and a larger amount of tickets at Legoland Florida, if you think about the demographics for Legoland parks, they're for small children, for young children. You're not really going to find big coasters there at all, really. The biggest you're going to find right. are uh, wild mouse coasters. And then you think about the Peppa Pig demographic, that's even smaller children. Uh, so you got something for the really little children and then something for maybe ages 5 to 12, I think it is what it is. Yeah, for. I feel like 14 or 15. Okay. Kids probably going to be less interested. Yeah. Maybe it, yeah, 13. I mean, it depends. Mm -hmm. I love Lego, so I'd be all about it. But if you're going there for a thrill, just yeah. to reiterate, it's not the park to do it. At. Right. So Legoland already different from what other theme parks offer, including right. Bush Gardens. If we think about the myth that there was the plan for that Sesame Place being built in the France parking lot of Bush Gardens and borrowing from the Sesame Street Forest of Fun, which is a little section that they already have at Bush Gardens that is Sesame Street, that's a bit more of a, a pull because you get something for the little kids, the really little kids with Sesame Street, and then you have Bush Gardens just to walk across the walkway, which is for adults and for older kids too. And that being said, they also have Land of the Dragons and Da Vinci's Garden of Invention, where they have rides for the little ones and they have little little dragon shows occasionally for the little kids. But really, you take out Sesame Street Forest of Fun from Bush Gardens Williamsburg, you're taking out the heart of the offerings for uh, the really little children. But I, I think it makes more sense 
with Peppa Pig and Legoland than it does for Sesame Street and Bush Gardens, because that would be a larger poll where families run into the same problem that you mentioned. They have three kids, the two adults, and the really little kid wants to stay in Sesame Place, but the other kids want to ride the coasters, they want to get on Alpengeist and Griffin and all of that. It's a, a tough pull. If you think about Peppa Pig and Legoland, I think that people, I think that families visiting would have more of an opportunity to stay together and enjoy the offerings more completely because it's already a younger audience going to the Legoland Resort. Yeah, I think all of those points are valid. I and and to kind of summarize what what I think you said too, it's just that it makes more sense for Legoland. It's much more of a niche. People going there can definitely see it working. So, you know, I'm excited. I I think especially for families that might have extremely small children, this is great. Uh, Peppa Pig is a huge IP. Um, it's similar, in my opinion, to Thomas or Sesame Street. I don't think we resonate with it as well because it's newer, but they're constantly making new episodes from it. So we'll see where it where it goes. And uh, of course, thanks to Amusement Today for sharing this article as well. That's where we're grabbing this story from, as well as our next story. Uh, Chris, what do you have for us over there? Well, now we're headed to the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee for Dollywood. Oh, we love Dollywood. And they have announced some changes and touch-ups that are in place for the 2021 season uh, that will be beginning shortly in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. First up, Lightning Rod. There have even been some videos of Lightning Rod testing. Uh, so they've been really doing that track work. They've kept the wooden topper track in some places on the ride, but then it's met with steel eyebox track. And it's going to be such an interesting video when we finally get a new on-ride point-of-view video for Lightning Rod because we're going to look, where did they put the steel? Where did they keep the wood? It's going to be really interesting to see, and I still have no idea how to classify it. Um, you know, I, I think we can get into an uh, argument, and we could talk about this for, you know, up to an hour if we wanted to. And I'm sure if you subscribe to other theme park podcasts, dear listener, that you're probably hearing probably the same topic here. Um, I don't know if it's worth going into it to argue what, or, what it is and what it is not, but here's what I will say, dear listener, and here's what I will say, Chris. Um, the ride was, in my opinion, a wooden roller coaster before all of this. We can get into arguments about how the running rails classify what it is, yada yada. There are people that refuse to call these wooden topper tracks wood at all. They say it's just a hybrid coaster, meaning steel track, wooden supports. I do think that you have to recognize that not the majority of the track is wood, but a significant amount of the track is wood. I believe it's over 25%, but it's less than 50%. Um, and I guess that's kind of where I'll just stop. I think that's up to the listener. That's up to the enthusiast. It's up to the visitor to the park. Uh, in some ways, I think it can be up to the park still. Um, it wouldn't be the first time that the park, any park, I shouldn't say this park, but any park has um, differentiated or gone the opposite direction of what enthusiasts would claim or what enthusiasts would say. And so... You know, I think that's interesting. It's not, in my opinion, it's not the same as you have 
a steel coaster that sat there for, let's go the other way it's not the same as having a wooden roller coaster there and then all of a sudden let's say an entire helix is demolished and they added a completely new steel element all steel uh, totally different track design less supports I think that's that's obvious what that is they've added something there um, so I think I'm gonna say I don't really have an answer and I don't say that to not ruffle any feathers I really just think it doesn't matter I guess and not to to be negative by saying that but I've ridden that thing and that's probably my number one roller coaster that I've been on whether it's wood or steel either which way I think it blows away anything I've ridden that is steel and it blows away anything I've ridden that's wood it blows away any hybrid I've been on it's just a great ride and yeah. this will ensure that it stays around for a long time and I'm glad that they were able to keep that launch element if you don't know dear listener this is a launching wooden roller coaster or you could say it was a launching wooden roller coaster the only launching wooden roller coaster is it still launching wooden roller coaster I don't know well how much do we need to split hairs? It's still going to be an amazing roller coaster, an amazing ride at a great park with a really nice coaster collection. It's going to be lightning rod and it's going to be its own thing. I think that's what we're going to have to say when everything is said and done. When we see that point of view video and we know just how much steel track, how much wood track, really, it's its own thing. Yeah, are we going to send someone out there to measure and say, you know, I feel like the objective part of me wants to say 51% whatever 51% of the length is that's what it's classified as if we're getting to splitting hairs I don't think we need to do that it kind of has me wondering what will happen when wildfire at Colmarden in Sweden an existing wooden roller coaster the same exact type the same exact intensity um, if not better from what I've heard I can't say it's better because I haven't been on it most people who have ridden both Lightning Rod and Wildfire would probably say Wildfire is better from what I've seen, at least reading reviews and watching videos. Are, is that going to get to the point where they're going to have to replace some things? Or is Lightning Rod, from its elements, so intense that it needs that? One of the elements that got replaced was that last turn, which is like this sweeping overbank turn. It's crazy. It goes up super high, whips back to straight down a hill into the brake run. Even looking at it, I remember seeing in pictures, but when I uh, went there and saw it, I still couldn't wrap my mind around it. Like it just doesn't, it didn't look possible. So I'm kind of not surprised they're switching that to an all steel design because it just looked crazy forces wise. I don't know if, I don't know if Wildfire at Colmarden does that. And this is the first time I think we've seen a wooden roller coaster from RMC get more steel eyebox. I think they RMC'd an RMC. That's, that's yeah. been my favorite comment I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that is of its own accord but that's not the only new thing coming to dollywood for the 2021 season uh, when it comes to seating areas at the park i mean hickory house that's the big barbecue place and if you know one thing about corkscrew convos you know that like we like barbecue we do i had barbecue last week oh. famous barbecue I had barbecue on Friday because I smoked spare ribs, but that's a different story. Uh, Hickory House, that's their big barbecue place. I think it's near Craftsman's Valley. Uh, mm -hmm. They are really expanding the seating areas uh, around that space to really make it a major fixture of the park. And also dogs and taters. Um, 
They have fried stuff, potatoes, hot dogs. It's like the name. Um, they are also expanding seating around there as well. And really, as the park grows in attendance and and traffic, foot traffic, that is, it's necessary to really increase the amount of seating areas. Because you think about uh, parks that have really grown a lot in the last half decade or decade or so. Uh, one that does come to mind is Silver Dollar City as well. Uh, coincidentally, a sister park to Dollywood. I remember looking at the new section around Time Traveler. They had put in so much seating around their sort of uh, chicken sandwich restaurant to really draw the whole time traveler area together they widened the pathways they widened the walkways along the bridge and everything they added all of these tables and chairs to be around this new restaurant that is very popular it was always very popular it's one of my favorite places to eat at silver dollar city and it's something that you got to do when maybe you opened in the 70s and the 80s with uh, much fewer guests passing through the gates as you are uh, operating but now Thankfully, your numbers are higher uh, in regular years, of course, not maybe present, not the present year, but you do have to make those infrastructure upgrades as well. And that's what we're seeing with Dollywood right now. Um, it's not a new roller coaster or a new flat ride, but it's a new seating area. And that is also going to enhance the guest experience. So that's why they're doing that. I'm sure they, at Hickory House too, they pulled from Rivertown Smokehouse at Silver Dollar City. Uh, expanding the seating areas and just making it a more inclusive experience. But um, outside of that, we do have one more bit of information, and this was not included in the release. Um, this you can find all over all over Twitter. Uh, really so many different coaster information sites are posting this, um, just pointing out that work continues on Mystery Mine. Uh, this is their Gertschlauer um, Eurofighter. It's one of my favorite Eurofighters. I love the story of this ride. Um, but this is a very small roller coaster in that there's only two rows of four people. They're really teeny cars. That allows it, though, to do some cool maneuvers. It has vertical lift inside of a building, uh, beyond vertical drop outside of the building. Um, that being said, we have a whole redesign happening in the middle of the layout. That's after the first hill. Um, that's right before that beyond vertical drop. I think it's like 92 degrees or something like that. Um, but we're seeing a whole redesign there. Uh, new track work, and I'm assuming um, just reprofiling. And this isn't a rough ride necessarily, I wouldn't say. I think this is a ride that we kind of talked about with Coaster Pro in the last episode. There were a bunch of rides that you have to know how to ride. Um, and I have mixed feelings on that. Um, but I know how to ride Mystery Mine, so it was more of an enjoyable ride for me. Um, but coupled with the weird Gertschlauer restraint, the top of this over-the-shoulder restraint's like right at your head, depending on how, how tall you are, right at your neck. And you've got these weird movements that you might not be used to on a normal ride. Um, could be uncomfortable, so maybe they're fixing that a little bit. It also kind of went through those elements slow, if I remember correctly. Um, and so maybe it's to prevent maybe a valleying situation or something like that. Um, but it doesn't look like, Chris, that they're really talking about it much. They're just kind of like, oh, yeah, we're doing this too. It's There's no new stats. There's no new... It's just going to be mystery mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's something that is going to improve the ride experience on Mystery Mine as well. 
Um, I don't think they're touching the second half of the ride where it has that big drop. You do a roll and then a half loop down and then you slam into the brakes, but they're not so touching good. that. Uh, they're, they're changing what was previously maybe just the little train meandering around a few turns, maybe a horseshoe turn, and then back up into that second lift. That's what they're changing, and that's what they're making better. Well, exactly what that is, we don't know yet, uh, but it's two examples right now, Lightning Rod and Mystery Mine, of really being enhanced, being plussed, if you want to use a Walt Disney term. They're improving the attraction, and that's great to see. Yeah, absolutely. And being public about it, they're they're proud of it. And so they'll want people to ride both rides. Um, as for me, cannot get, wait to get back to Dollywood. Great park. Um, sticking with Dollywood, though, sticking with the parent company, Hershen Family Entertainment, or Hershen Family Enterprises, as we've been seeing, we have some news. Uh, we uh, reported on this a few episodes back. We were reporting on what we thought was happening. We had a, a nice little tweet about it. We made our claim. We looked at a map and we thought, hmm, this looks strange. And it's come true. Um, even the state of Kentucky has released information that we're getting from this. Um, it's official. Hershen has officially acquired Kentucky Kingdom and Hurricane Bay in Louisville, in Louisville, Kentucky, or Lowellville, I believe is how you would say it if you're from around those parts. <laughs> I probably butchered it. It's kind of like with the Dollywood, though. There's Severville, which looks like Seaverville. So uh, maybe I got Louisville right. Louisville. Is that right? It sounds right. Louisville. I can't say it. I can't say it. But uh, some interesting news uh, out of Kentucky Kingdom and Hurricane Bay with Hershen acquiring it. Um, it's going to be different. Um, we've heard from Craig Ross, who was the former uh, general manager over at Dollywood. He will be managing the new park. Um, they're looking uh, to other theme parks under the Hershen brand as well, and this is kind of the first example of this. What do we think we're going to see? Well, probably longer operating season, maybe a late fall, early winter events. Um, this one, you know, we're not sure yet. Could there be a thematic shift towards the wilderness? Now, I think it's possible. Uh, we have different rustic items you can pull from, exposed wood, kind of that magnolia table uh, aesthetic, maybe a cracker barrel aesthetic, <laughs> just country. We're, we're not sure. Maybe it'll pull in from the history of Louisville. Um, you know, that being said, at one point, Hershen did have wild adventures. Um, pretty easy to theme. It was a zoo, and it was just loosely based around that sort of theme. But they also had Darien Lake at one point. And from what I understand, they didn't make any improvements that were very themey. I, I hate to use the word themey, but they didn't really focus on big themed experiences. It was kind of just managing the park, um, turning it into a profit center, honestly, because they need to make money. Um, I don't know what you would think about that, Chris, but um, I think we could also even see some bigger emphasis on, on live entertainment. Um, I would be interested to see that. Uh, and also, very important that they pointed out alcohol is going to be staying at the park. That was the immediate thing that folks said was, great, Hershen has it, they're going to lose alcohol. If you know Hershen Parks, at least the flagship, Silver Dollar City, Dollywood, there's no alcohol there. There never was, and it seems like there never will be. Um, it's sticking around at Louisville, and you almost have to uh, with the tie to Kentucky bourbon and, and that sort of thing. Well, I, I like what you're saying about what we might see change at Kentucky Kingdom, I really think, just like Dollywood and Silver Dollar City, 
it probably is going to be a longer season when it is financially possible to operate for a longer season in Louisville. Um, Thematic-wise, who knows? I mean, right now, Kentucky Kingdom is firmly an amusement park. People come there for the thrills and the roller coasters, that, which are often have a loose weather theme or a weather name. Uh, that is often the extent of the theming, and that's perfectly okay, because there are theme parks which sort of tell a story a lot of times. They have themed entertainment where a lot of the attractions are narrative-based, that sort of thing. And then there are amusement parks that have amazing coasters, airtime, everything. We love it. Those are two different experiences. Sometimes they blend the two of those. You think about parks like some of the Hershen parks and Busch Gardens Williamsburg as well, where they have both themes and stories that they tell, at least in the past, when it comes to Busch Gardens Williamsburg. And then... The thrills, the big steel, all of those things that they offer as well. Uh, so Kentucky Kingdom, I think, does have the potential to be both an amusement park and a theme park. Uh, it just depends on what Hershend wants to do for the future of Kentucky Kingdom. Um, I like what you said about live entertainment, DJ. I mean, that's the bread and butter for the Hershend Parks is live entertainment. So... I, I don't recall ever hearing anything about Kentucky Kingdom's live entertainment department, or as we've called it on previous podcasts, theatrics, or a more suitable name for that department. But I definitely think it's going to be making for some it's, changes. It's somewhat close to Nashville. I mean, that's something to note, too. I mean, they could potentially pull from there. I say somewhat. It's just as close as Dollywood, I think. But, you know... I I envision a th maybe a, some theming that's comparable to what Cedar Fair does at some of their parks. I'm thinking of like Twisted Timbers or even Mystic Timbers, a very loose theme like, oh, this is like its own specific ride. You know, right now they have, you know, Storm Chaser, for instance. It's called Storm Chaser. It's got a tornado logo. But other than that, it's just in a station building. Maybe we'll see some a shift towards little tiny stories that tell themselves. Even like Copperhead Strike, that's another one to think about. Yeah, like maybe not as loose as loose as something like Banshee. Let's say uh, even then, I mean that's decently themed for an amusement park. So maybe it'll be something more of that. Like let me throw a couple story elements in here, but I mean let's be honest. Probably the draw for this park, at least ride wise, is going to be the ride experience itself. Hershen loves to do the you know, find a record and figure out, you know, how we can break it, that sort of thing. So I'm sure we'll see something like that. But also to note, I believe this is one of those parks that has to be very careful with their height limit because there's an airport very close by. Yeah. Yeah. That's why uh, a lot of the coasters there are relatively short, but they make the most of what they are able to build up to. Um, they have that unique Chance Hyper GTX there. They have uh, Kentucky Flyer coasters that are short in stature, but they still pack a punch. Maybe a multi-launch or something would work really well there. Yep. Low to the ground. Yeah. So th there's definitely a bright future, it looks like, for Kentucky Kingdom now that they have the Hershen backing. But DJ, I think that it's going to be maybe a two-way exchange of culture maybe hear me out this could be an opportunity for hershend to really grow and expand the idea of what it means to be a hershend property 
like maybe Kentucky Kingdom will keep the playful online presence that they have on Twitter and the adult beverages, which has already been announced as staying. Um, that's going to be a first for a Hershen theme park to have that alcohol element there as well. And you look at the margins on drink sales, it's no wonder they're keeping it because um, they are definitely some of those profitable uh, activities that you can offer in a theme park is alcohol. Just look at, again, Bush Gardens Williamsburg. Uh, you look at their hollow scream season or, or food and wine. On every corner, there's a bar because you can charge incredibly high prices for a little drink sample and adults will pay it because they're there for a good time and a, a nice, right. unique experience. So it's no wonder that they're keeping uh, the adult drink sales at Kentucky Kingdom. But what if, like I said, a two-way exchange, what if Hershen sees alcohol coexisting with a theme park experience and they say, well, if it works at Kentucky Kingdom... Maybe we can test it out at some of our other properties. Hear me out, DJ. What if they had a very controlled, very limited, very private moonshine tasting at Silver Dollar City and Dollywood? Behind closed doors, there weren't signs for it, but people could sign up for it online. They go into this room. Uh, they have a host that welcomes them and, and has them taste and sample uh, different beverages. And then they go about their merry way where there's no chance of over-serving. And it's just really adding to what Silver Dollar City and Dollywood offer. Uh, what would you think about that, DJ? I like, I like the idea of what you're saying. Uh, maybe those teams... Silver Dollar City, Dollywood, all the Hershen teams, you know, maybe they get together, they meet the Kentucky Kingdom group that, that they're now basically colleagues with, and they understand that, you know, you can maybe do it, quote, the right way. Um, I think you're touching on maybe the right level. Like, I don't think you're going to see Bud Lights out at Smoky Mountain Christmas or the Pumpkins event that Silver Dollar City does. But... Um, what a great way to incorporate some some of that craftsmanship element that Dollywood and Silver Dollar City um, have that works so well for them um, to be able to offer a, a private setting like that where they can control the amount that people are taking in. They can control the amount of people who are involved in the experience and maybe they could even control the hours at which that experience happens. I think that's a, an excellent idea. And like you said, maybe those cultures will exchange um, you talked about the online presence. I mean, I don't think any of us out of any park would have predicted that Silver Dollar City would have sort of the meme channel that they have on Twitter out of any yeah. park. And it's funny because you can see other parks trying to replicate it. Um, and Kentucky Kingdom does it extremely well. And they're definitely right up there. I mean, I wouldn't say replicate in a bad way. Don't, don't think that at all. But um, it works. And Kentucky Kingdom has really nailed it down. And so now that those two are together, those two accounts, it'll be making for some interesting things. Um, you know, all that being said, it makes you wonder too, we have another park. Will we see some sort of new admission pass, some sort of membership program from all of them? Six Flags already does this with the memberships. Cedar Fair has their own, what we call the Platinum Pass, allows you to get into any Cedar Fair park unlimited amount of times, anytime you want, um, except for Not Scary Farm. 
Um, that being said, would Hershen do this? My inclination is they won't do it. I think they would do maybe a... I don't even want to say a deep discount. Like, I think currently you have a Silver Dollar City season pass. You get 20% off at Dollywood or something like that. I think it's 50% off. Is it 50 At least it was, I think. Wow. I didn't think it was that high. I, I mean, I can believe you. So even 50%, I think it's more something like that um, rather than... I don't know, it's just such an obs- <laughs> I guess Cedar Fair is the same, but it's just such an obscure, obscure locations, I guess. Maybe not, but okay, I'm going to go to Branson, Missouri, then I'm going to jump over to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, I'm going to stop in Louisville, Kentucky on the way. Hey, Midwesterners I, like to drive. I am a Midwesterner. I do love driving. However... I've driven many places. Driving in the Midwest is a totally different experience than driving in, let's see, I've driven in Orlando, Washington, D.C., um, Dallas, even Dallas. I know that's in the Midwest, but like Atlanta, that's terrifying. So (laughs) it's totally different experience. But I mean, you're right. Then again, having done that drive from, I've, I've done the drive going, hitting Silver Dollar City and then hitting Dollywood. It's not that great of a drive. I mean, it's fine. I think out of the entire, I think it's like 12 hours, two hours are pretty or enjoyable. Other than that, I mean, it's just interstate. So I don't know. I I can see it. But, you know, you have two parks, Dollywood and Silver Dollar City, both of which have no access to a major airport. I don't know. I could see it going both ways. We'd want to hear your thoughts on that, but I think it's just going to be a discount personally. Well, if there were ever a time to make a change with this Hershend ticketing and this family of properties that they've built, I think now would be the time. I mean, they don't have the brand and the name recognition of Six Flags or even Cedar Fair, but people that like Silver Dollar City would like Dollywood and then like what if there's somebody living in maybe central to southern Kentucky and is equidistant from Kentucky Kingdom in Dollywood I think that they would I mean if they're enthusiastic even Memphis Tennessee that's a good point yeah yeah, if there's there's a lot of people there because it's that eastern half of the Midwest right before you get to the mountains there's a lot of people there in that area and I think that Maybe even just a combination ticket between Kentucky Kingdom and Dollywood that maybe throws in some perks or entitlements to um, other Hershen properties like the resorts or the Newport Aquarium, which is very close to Kentucky Kingdom as well. Um, There's also the Stampede in Pigeon Forge. There's other dinner shows. It just seems like an opportunity to push the other Hershen properties if someone's already interested in at least one of them. That's what I think. I can can see your point. I still feel like it's very market-focused. Like, Pigeon Forge is a destination. Branson is a destination. Most of the parks at Six Flags or Cedar Fair, most of those parks are at an urban center, which could be a destination, but really it's either a day park close to somebody 
like they might live there or there's other things to do in the city itself that's not family oriented necessarily i'm thinking of like you go to a big city you do the theme park that's on the outskirts in the suburbs and then you go and do art museum or um whatever you stay in an awesome hotel um you know if you go to pigeon forge though and you go to branson those are places you stay and everything you do has a similar theme of what the experience is so i still think it could work out but you know for example even me i I love dollywood love going there love going to silver dollar city would love to go to kentucky kingdom i i don't know if i would do all of those in a year to justify that cost now what interests me is a six flags membership where i or even cedar fair platinum pass where i know which airports to go to cost effectively how to drive and get close enough to where i can make a trip out of it and be more cost effective and even that said I plan it out so I'd only get a platinum pass for, let's say, 2022. Then I wouldn't get a platinum pass for three or four more years or even later after that because I've seen what I wanted to see. Um, but again, I'm, I'm approaching in my own way. So I, 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 I'm serious. I think I could see this going both ways, either steep discount or actually doing the platinum pass or this big, this big high-end ticket you're talking about because it, the time is now. But it just seems like from what I've seen – the parks tend to focus on their markets themselves. Like what other experiences can we bundle while they're in the town? It remains to be seen what Hershen will do, but I think we've both put out some uh, pretty interesting points about what might happen. I think so too. So DJ, do you like trivia? Oh, do I like trivia? I am a trivia connoisseur. Yeah. I got to say, I like trivia too. Um, We have a little bit of trivia that we're about to do right now with a listener named Megan. How does that sound? Hey, Megan. That sounds great. Hey, Megan. (laughs) So she's waiting in the wings. Uh, We're about to have, I think it's eight questions we're going to do with trivia. It's going to be a ton of fun. If she wins, she gets bragging rights. If she loses, well, we haven't determined what happens if she loses because this is the first time that we're doing trivia, but DJ... This is just eight questions. I have probably dozens more questions out there, so this will definitely not be our only trivia, but let's get into it right now. Let's do it. Hello. This is Corkscrew Convo's usually a theme park podcast, but right now it's a trivia podcast. For theme parks, that is. Our contestant today is Megan. Hello, Megan. Hello, Chris. Before we check your knowledge, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Hi, everybody. Uh, The listeners of Corkscrew Convo's, my name is Megan. I've loved theme parks for as long as I can remember. Um, visited quite a few of them in the U.S., my favorites being Disneyland out in California and Kennywood in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, love the industry, love this podcast, and uh, hopefully I'll love this trivia. Yeah, sounds good. I've never been to Kennywood, but I really want to get there someday. It just looks like such a historic park. I think you'd really enjoy it. It is. It does have that unique element. You know, there's a lot of rides there that you can't find anywhere else. Unfortunately, some of those will be going away, but it does have that old-timey feel of you going through a, a um, trolley park 
So you already answered a few of the questions that I did have set up for you today. So you're already ahead of the curve and 10 points to you. Oh, wow. But first question I have for you, this is again, just getting to know you before we get to the nitty gritty. What is your favorite coaster? My favorite coaster, I would have to say is Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure at Universal Orlando Resort. Um, oh, quite Hag Ride. A, Hag Ride for short, because that is a mouthful. <laughs> it looks like an incredible ride. Now, favorite theme park? Favorite theme park would have to be Disneyland out in California. Okay, that's an excellent choice. <laughs> and, okay, last one about getting to know you, but I think it's an important one. What has been your greatest theme park experience so far? Whew, that's a good question. There's so many good memories. It's hard to pick one. I would say... I got to go uh, on a trip where I did seven theme parks in seven days out in California. It's just as exhausting as it sounds. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. Um, but when I wasn't so tired that I thought I could fall asleep standing, I really had a great moment seeing World of Color at Disney California Adventure. I got to see the Christmas show. Um, I really love Christmas. And it just had so many of my favorite movies in it and it made me really emotional and it's just a beautiful show beautiful beautiful show and i just felt um very very connected to disneyland and it was at the end of our trip so it was really bringing together my whole experience for the week it was a great time that sounds great but seven theme parks in seven days i don't think i could do that yeah, I would not do it again. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into the actual trivia. I have eight questions for you. The theme is potpourri. Uh -huh. uh, that means anything is fair game. It could be about anything ever. Uh, you get at least four of the, out of the eight questions right, and you will be the first winner of Corkscrew Convo's trivia. Oh, my Does goodness. Does that sound like it's a plan? Sounds great. Okay, let's get into the first one. Here we go. Question one. When did Islands of Adventure first open at the Universal Orlando Resort? Was it A, 1991, B, 2001, C, 2000, or D, 1999? I'm going to go with 1999. That is correct. Yes. Okay. I think I organized these a little bit so the easy ones are up uh, up in the front and the more difficult ones are in the back, but that was a very good start. Question two. What continent contains the most roller coasters? Is it A, North America, B, Europe, C, Asia, D, South America, or E, Africa? I'm going to go with North America. That is incorrect. Oh, man. Is I'm it Europe? Sorry. Uh, no, that is also oh, incorrect. All right. The answer is Asia. Oh, <laughs> Asia right. contains 2,603 roller coasters, the last time I counted anyway, and that is more than double the amount on any other continent. Okay, well, I've got some credits that I need to get, clearly. <laughs> exactly. There is more out there, more to look forward to in the future, but let's get back to these trivia questions. Question three. At Universal Studios Florida, what film franchise was originally used for the attraction now home to The Simpsons? Was it A, Universal Monsters, B, King Kong, C, 
Back to the Future or D, Jaws? Back to the Future. That is correct. We're rolling now. Question four. What is the longest roller coaster in the world to contain at least one inversion? Is it A, the ultimate at Clearwater Valley? B, the Incredicoaster at Disney California Adventure? Or C, Dodoronpa, Fuji Q Highland? I'm going to go with the ultimate. That is incorrect. Oh. It's the Incredicoaster. It's funny to think about it because. Disney coasters generally don't have big inversions, but the Incredicoaster, uh, the history of it, where it was maybe even a part of Disney's America back when those plans were in place in the 90s to have this big coaster, a steel coaster looking like a wooden coaster, and they put a loop in it. So <laughs> It's a pretty good coaster. A... I haven't ridden it as the Incredibles overlay, but I did ride it when it was California Screaming and enjoyed it. Mm. I've ridden it as California Screaming and the Incredicoaster. I might prefer California Screaming. Oh, good to know. <laughs> but let's let's get back to the trivia. Question five. What early themed section at Disneyland was replaced by New Orleans Square? Was it A, Holidayland, B, Marsland, C, Circusland, or D, Storybook Glen? I'm going to go with Circusland. That is incorrect. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. Uh, it's interesting in a note, though. The answer is Holidayland, but the land around Holidayland did include a circus very early on. I th I knew there was some circus at Disneyland. I didn't realize it wasn't a land. Mm, it was part of Holidayland where they also had, I think, uh, baseball fields and picnic tables. There wasn't a lot to it, but I think everyone's happy with the replacement being New Orleans Square. I think so. But I think for the 50s, they did what they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they sort of opened with what they could, and there was definitely room for growth at Disneyland in the 50s. Question six. What is the name of the first installation of Premier Ride's Skyrocket 2 roller coaster model? Was it A, Superman Ultimate Flight at Six Flags Discovery Kingdom? B, Tempesto at Busch Gardens Williamsburg? C. Zombie Ride at Bosque Magico, or D. Skyrocket at Chimelong Paradise. Was it Superman? That is correct. Yes. Superman Ultimate Flight up in Vallejo, California. Question 7. What attraction located in WB World Abu Dhabi uses technology first used in a similar scale on Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey? Is it A, Formula Rosa, B, Batman Night Flight, or C, Marvin the Martian Crater Crashers? I am going to go with Batman. That is correct. Yes. There's not a lot that you can see on the internet about what Batman Night Flight looks like over in WB World in Abu Dhabi but it uses the same ride system as Harry Potter from the, and the Forbidden Journey uh, with those articulating robot arms on a moving track. It looks amazing, and uh, maybe someday we'll ride it. I hope so. So we only have one more question left, but I must say you already have gotten four questions right, so let me be the first to congratulate you as the first winner of Corkscrew Convo's trivia. Yay! Thank you, thank you. Congratulations. We do have one more question left, and it's a, a little nitty-gritty. So are you up for it? I'm up for anything. Okay. 
Question 8. It's a doozy. Here we go. Which of the following is the actual, full, and current name of a Disney theme park? Is it A. Disney MGM Studios Park B. Disney's California Adventure Park C. Epcot Center with center being spelled C-E-N-T-E-R D. Epcot Center being with center being spelled C-E-N-T-R-E or E. Disney's Animal Kingdom Theme Park Ooh, you threw me, you did throw me for a loop. I think <laughs> Disney's California Adventure Park. That is incorrect. Oh, it's Animal Kingdom, isn't it? Yes. They lost the possessive Disney uh, when they converted from the first iteration of California Adventure uh, to the current one. I think they made the official change sometime in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but they did just. Uh, Freshen it up, they made it Disney California Adventure Park, um, and that's what it is today. Get rid of that apostrophe S. It is tricky, though, because we put in both of those Epcot centers. <laughs> it's not <laughs> called Epcot Center anymore, so I, I did put those in to see if we could trick you, but uh, the correct answer was Disney's Animal Kingdom Theme Park. Most people just call it Animal Kingdom, but that is the full, official, actual, current name. So you got four right, Megan. That was an excellent job. Excellent job. This was not easy trivia, and I really am proud of what you did. Thank you, and I do think I have room to grow. I've got a lot more to learn about coasters. That's why I'm listening to you, but I'm happy with the four that I got right. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, you have contributed a few listener questions um, along the way, and we do really appreciate that. It gets us thinking. It got me reading about different technologies so I can bring that information to the podcast. And I really do appreciate your curiosity. So thank you for that, Megan. Thank you. I only do it for the shout-outs, Chris. That's what we're all here <laughs> for, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You, you mentioned it. The shout-outs, that is the easiest way to get your username or name shouted out to a group of 12 people. That is, you submit a question, something you're curious about, something you're thinking about, so that you can start a corkscrew conversation with us. And you can do that with our Gmail, which is corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. You can just send us an email. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with Corkscrew Convos. Just search that and you'll get to us. And uh, we'd be happy to start a corkscrew conversation with you. All right, Megan. Would you like to sign off with me? I would love to, Chris. My name's Megan. And my name is Chris. And this has been another Corkscrew Combo. Thanks for listening. Wow. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I really liked how she signed off. That was pretty fun. <laughs> DJ, what did you think of that? It's great. I've heard Megan's name before. No, she's a listener, so glad to bring her in for a bit of trivia. Those are some difficult questions. Yeah, I, I do like to... I mean, the devil's in the details. And when I ask a question asking what is the actual full current name of a Disney theme park, you know I'm trying to trick you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially with the, the spellings. That was... I, I don't know. I wouldn't have gotten it right. But then again, I'm not... Again, you know this, and dear listener, you probably know this by now. I like going to Disney, but I'm not the Disney, biggest Disney fan, so if you ever want to stump me, 
Ask me any question about Disney because nine out of ten times I will get it wrong. Noted. Okay, uh, <laughs> let me think of one right now. What attraction was previously in the spot where Test Track is now at Epcot? Where Test Track is now? Yeah. What was the original attraction in that spot? Is that... Um, I only have one idea. Is that, is that the ride where the two guys... No. The ride it, where the two guys... The, the, there was, it, there's a video about it on YouTube. No, that's with, Horizons. No. This okay, is, uh, then I have no idea. <laughs> is it was, Test Track? Because technically Test Track is new? Because they had a oh. reskin. Well, I said originally in that spot. You almost got oh, okay. me there, DJ. Okay. I didn't, no, I didn't mean me. to. I thought you were trying to trick me, so I'm like, that's the only thing I know. I, I have no idea that there was even anything there at all. Yeah, it was a an attraction called World of Motion. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so then Test Track, both the original and now the new Test Track, are sort of spiritual successors, a little bit, I guess, to what World of Motion originally was, which was mainly an educational attraction, much like many of the original attractions at Epcot. So it's something interesting. Yeah. I have been doing a lot of reading about original Epcot, and you look at what that park was in the late 80s when they got everything open that they were trying to open. They just added things like body wars and... I so wish I could have gone to Epcot in the late 80s because it just looked like the neatest thing ever. Well, I got to give a quick shout out, listener shout out to Christian. Um, he's an avid listener of this podcast and he loves the vaporwave old school uh, Epcot sort of vibe. So anytime we talk about Epcot, I know he gets excited, but <laughs> you stumped me. Like I said, I don't know. All I know now is that there's Test Track there, there was another version, and they're both GM sponsorships. So. Hey, but you learned something today. I did. And that's actually my favorite part of trivia is learning something new. It really is. I'm like, yeah. oh, I didn't know that. And then I get to use that trivia for the rest of my life and just be as annoying as possible. Yes, when you're waiting in line for a roller coaster in Illinois, you can use that trivia to stump people in line. It'd make you very popular, <laughs> trust me. Absolutely. But you know, DJ. That sounded very deep. That was a very deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, it is time for our lightning round. This is a fast-paced segment in which we go over things that we maybe don't have a lot of information on or things that we don't have a lot to say about or even maybe just things that are follow-ups to previous discussions that we've had. The first thing, speaking of Disney, it is at Walt Disney World. They are going to be celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. Um, they will be having lots of cosmetic changes coming to the parks, uh, including extra dressing on the park icons, including uh, the Tree of Life and Animal Kingdom, uh, Cinderella Castle and the Magic Kingdom. And yeah, uh, each icon's getting a new yeah a, yeah a new sort of treatment. Totally right. Uh, there'll be new costumes and, of course, merchandise for people to buy and wait in hours-long lines to get to these things. But that's all part of the anniversary. It will start on the actual 50th anniversary of the Magic Kingdom's opening, which was October 1st. So we are some months away, but that celebration, the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, is going to last more than a year. It is going to last 18 months. So the park... And, the, well, the resort will already be 52 by the time their 50th anniversary finishes up. 
Yeah, very smart of them to extend that season. I think, actually, the 50th anniversary of Disneyland, they did the same thing. I think they did an 18-month celebration as well, if I remember correctly. Um, great way to get merchandise sales, too. I mean, I, I definitely want to go so I can get some sort of Disney merch with 50 on it. Maybe it'll be worth something someday. Another piece of information we have, the Hamilton production uh, might be coming to Las Vegas. Now, uh, currently, all productions have been paused. There was both Broadway, three different U.S. tours, and London. Um, but uh, it's very possible that we might see a live year-round rendition at Las Vegas. Um, I don't think we have any idea of who performers would be. We're very early in this. Um, but there's a potential that this could be happening, and we all want to be in the room where it happens, when mm. it happens. Yeah. I mean, you think of previous Broadway-style shows to thrive in Las Vegas? There is one that really comes to mind, and that is Phantom of the Opera, which had a very long run for uh, this musical in Las Vegas. Um, they did adjust the musical. They cut a few things, shortened a few others, so some of the iconic songs were shorter. Uh, but they really did that to fit it into the mold of a Vegas-style show that people could go to um, as part of their evening in Las Vegas. And feasibly, if these rumors are correct, um, we did uh, look, look at this rumor from a site called VitalVegas.com, uh, reporting on this potential rumor, maybe Hamilton could be getting a production in Las Vegas. You think about all the productions that are currently out there and paused with Hamilton. I think it is unfortunately likely uh, that the decreased capacity that we're working with right now and maybe a sluggish recovery of theater goers around the country will mean that the road might not support as many touring productions of Hamilton. So that means they still have all of these sets and costumes and productions out there, just sitting there, ready to go when the time is right. Feasibly, one of these touring productions could instead sit down in Las Vegas and, again, be in an environment where, supposedly, it could do very well. So that is something we might be seeing happening. Um, I'd like to see it happen. I'd like to make Vegas one of the rooms where it happens. But we will have to see if this rumor comes true from Vital Vegas. That's right. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see, see what happens. And uh, I'll be seeing it, hopefully, again in the future. I know we both have had the privilege to see it, so excited to maybe see it again. And one final update here in the lightning round. This is an update to a previous story. We have another update from Monster at Gronaland. Um, they, they shared this, uh, I believe this is from Coaster Forces where I saw this, um, a great shot of a, of a huge support that's been put in place, this monster of a support with the inverted roller coaster going over the uh, Pierside Park, the Seaside Park that they have. Not really Seaside necessarily, but this boardwalk style park um, but what's really interesting one to point out it looks like to get the coaster cars in and out of the station they're going to have they already had to do it but they had to cut a hole into the boardwalk itself wow. attach a crane and then <laughs> move the cars up and down uh, so i mean i guess it works chris and i were talking we don't know if this ride just doesn't have its own storage bay beside it or maintenance facility right beside it where they can work on it maybe with such a small park they have to offload everything when the off-season hits and at most parks they take every ride apart they take all the cars apart every bolt to do inspections 
and maybe that's what they're having to do here. So they have to. The only way we can get it out off of the coaster track is to take it off and pull it straight up out of a hole in the ceiling. So <laughs> that makes sense. But that's what I love about engineering. Lots of ingenuity. Yeah, it's amazing what people do when they have unique constraints that they have to work with. Uh, you think of Alton Towers, they can't have a coaster that goes above the tree line. And that has forced them to be really creative in their layouts for their roller coasters. So you love to see it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to what Monster becomes. Because we've been following this coaster for years. We've talked about it multiple times on the show. When it finally opens, I look forward to seeing that. It's going to be a monster of a ride, that's for sure. Ah, and yeah. now it is time to hit the brakes, but we're not done yet, are we, Chris? Well, that's right. We had a corkscrew conversation with Coaster Bro just last episode. That was a great time. Uh, dear listener, if you haven't already listened to it, finish this episode. We're almost done with this one. And then go back to episode 21 and give that a listen. That was such a fun time to really draft defunct coasters into our own collections and then and then compare. It's interesting. There were some similarities, some interesting strategies that we went to uh, as we drafted these defunct coasters. But if you, dear listener, if you want to have a corkscrew conversation with us, there are many ways that you can do that. We are on the Facebook, Corkscrew Convos. We're on Twitter, Corkscrew Convos. Instagram, Corkscrew Convos. Again, remember our follower uh, giveaway that we'll be doing soon with Instagram. And then we have an email address as well, corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. That's right. There's a reason to follow us on each of these platforms. We do varied content. Facebook, you're going to find more of those articles, more open conversation. Twitter, we're talking about different memes, showing you different memes, I should say. Uh, lots of retweets, playful banter back and forth with other podcasts and other coaster uh, news outlets. And then, of course, Instagram, one of my favorite places to go. Um, different photos from different trips that Chris and I have been on. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't been on a trip in a while, so we're trying to make that happen. But uh, our own original content there. Chris has even posted some things from Planet Coaster, so I need to get on that and send him over some screenshots. And then uh, email, well, that's just if you want to do business. If you're emailing us from your business email, uh, you got to use email, right? Uh, no, but just another great way to do long-form questions to us. So don't forget about that follower giveaway. And remember to subscribe. If you're hearing this end of show business, you haven't turned it off, Wow. We say it every episode. Wow. Uh, glad that you could join us here, especially if you've been on that last episode with Coaster Bro. Easily over two-hour podcast, I think. The Planet Park of Six Flags America, almost three hours. Um, so that being said, this wasn't as much of an accomplishment. But if it's your first time here, hey, we're still proud of you. So be sure to subscribe if you can or follow, depending on what platform you're listening on. We're pretty much available anywhere you can listen to podcasts. But what that does is it puts the episode in a queue. That queue allows you to listen to the show whenever you would like. But it just keeps things separated. So I don't like a lot of clutter. Uh, it allows for me to see what I want with my normal subscriptions. Encourage you to do the same. It also helps us out as well. And remember to leave a five-star review on Apple because we're going to read that out loud. We're going to give you a shout-out on the show. And we'll be sure to give you proper credit. And we just appreciate that review. And, of course, I feel like we kind of forget it sometimes. I do have a Twitch. Uh, sometimes when these podcasts... 
they don't run as long as they normally do. It allows me to get some time to jump on Twitch. So, Chris, I think after we're done here, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Oh, fun. What are you going to play? Planet Coaster, for sure. I've been missing playing it, so <laughs> I know that's what I'm going to play. Very good. Well, that sounds like a plan. How about we sign off this show, and then you get to gaming. Absolutely. Come join me, everyone. DJ Forefire. So until next time, my name is Chris. And my name's DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>